Good morning. How's everybody doing? Y'all okay? And y'all means you plus three. Okay, so that's everybody here. I was told last time I used some southern terminology and nobody knew what it meant. So I'm going to try to give definitions this time if I do that. But for those that don't know me, my name is Jeremy. I'm new here in New York. I just celebrated two months living in the city, so I've made it two months. Hadn't run away, hadn't been kidnapped, mugged, or I've never even felt scared in the city, to be honest with you. Other than the time I got on the wrong train, then it's like, I don't know where I'm going, so I don't know if I'm going to get home. Uh, so there's a moment of panic there recently. But other than that, things have been good. Uh, you guys, be, please be praying for uh, Patrick and his wife, Katie. They're back in Georgia this weekend. Uh, he's at one of his, the churches that uh, he spent a lot of time at, and uh, they're getting to see friends, family as well as spend some time uh, just uh, meeting with partners that are partnering him financially and partnering this church financially. And so be praying for him that God's favor would be upon their time there as well as safe travel when they return in a few days. Uh, but I want to share a little story with you. If you don't know, I work at Chick-fil-A right now. Okay? I'm working part-time at Chick-fil-A, part-time with the church. Chick-fil-A is a restaurant in Manhattan. There's a couple of them now, and there's one in the Queens Mall. How many? Just by a show of hands, how many of y'all know what Chick-fil-A is? How many? Hallelujah. All right. Don't, I didn't know how much detail I was going to have to give about Chick-fil-A. So we're all good and familiar with the, the good food and the fries when they're fresh, how incredible those are. Uh, and so, but maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe you've had a, uh, started a new job. Uh, maybe there's been a time in your life where you've uh, maybe got a new boss, new coworkers, maybe a dating scene. You got a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And anytime we're meeting somebody kind of for the first time, and maybe it's just me, but I don't initially trust them. Anybody else that way? Anybody else like, okay, we'll be nice. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. You're getting to know me. I'm getting to know you. Okay. We're in that little weird phase, but I don't know if I trust you yet. I don't want to wait to see if I can trust you. Anybody else that way, or is it just me? Is it just, it's just me. Okay, that's incredible, too. Uh, but <laughs> at Chick-fil-A, there's like a few folks that I've met, uh, or several that I've met, and at first, there's someone's like, all right, you're super nice to me. It's like, what do you want? Okay, that's, <laughs> it's like the first initial thought I had is, what do you want? Why are you being so nice to me? All right, but I'm trying to get the benefit of the doubt, I'm trying to get the benefit of the doubt, because as I've met these new people, they're getting to know me. So what I'm doing is wait. I want to see how they actually carry themselves, see what they do. Now, they may say one thing like, hey, I want to help you, I want to be there for you, but will you actually do it? And as they do that, you know, I'm going to learn to trust them more. Right? And the, the same is probably happening with you and me being new here. You wanted to get to know me, and it's okay. I'm not offended by it at all. Uh, I understand it because it's the same way back as I meet new people. I'm trying to figure you out. You're trying to figure me out. I'm trying to figure out, okay, can I trust this person? Can they trust me? Am I backing up with my life, what I'm saying, what I'm claiming? We have all these questions and all these journeys and, I, and I'm, it would encourage me, has anybody else been through that? You know, you can raise your, I'm interactive, okay? I'll ask questions. Just If nothing, it helps keep you awake, okay? That's goal one, okay? Keep you awake. Because if I see you sleeping, I'm just assuming you're praying for me, so thank you, okay? Um, and so that's a blessing, too. But meeting new people sometimes can be tough. Trying to earn that trust, trying to figure out, can I trust them? What they say, are they going to back it up with the things they do? And I think many times... That's where we see God as well. We're going to wait. We're going to sit back and say, you know what, God, I've heard a lot about you, okay? <laughs> I've heard some things from other people. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, we've spent some time in, in Scripture, so I've read some things about you. Or I've seen things in a, in a TV show or a movie about you. And, and a lot of it sounds good, but I want, I want to wait. I want to, I want to give us some time just to kind of get to know you before I really just dive all in. Before I really, really commit, I'm going to I'm going to wait. And so that's been one of the big goals of this current series, looking at the character of God, is to help all of us get to know God better. Because as we get to know him better, 
our trust in him will grow. Our love for him will grow because we'll, we'll begin to see that he is who he claims to be. That there is hope that can be found in him. There is peace that can be found in him. There's joy. There's love. There's forgiveness. There's kindness. All these great qualities. There's also, and this isn't the most fun part, but there's also a loving discipline that can be found in him. And so this morning, we're going to continue this series by taking a look at another character of God. And we'll be in 1 John 3, if you want to flip in your Bible or turn your Bible on uh, to that. And we're going to be looking at this, this quality of being that God is virtuous, right? this, this virtue of God, this virtue that God has. Because the, the reality is, and maybe you've been, anybody ever said something for like, yeah, I'm going I'm to help you with this, and it just, you didn't make it. You fell through on your promises. Anybody ever done that other than me? I'll be the first to admit we all have our moments, okay? Well, maybe we'll make a promise and something happens or we just forget um, and we, just, we break that promise. And so some people, they may start, well, I don't know if I trust you anymore now. You know, I have these unwaved, you know, it's like, ah, I'm not sure if you're really the person I thought you were because the reality is people will listen to what we have to say, but they may not really hear us until they see what we do. Because people want to see what we say backed up with our actions because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'll help you with this or I'll show love to this person or I'll, I'll help out here, or, I'll do this or that. But until we actually do it, people are just waiting for that. People are waiting for that. And so this morning, I want to look, we're going to look at two different aspects. One, this character of God that he is virtuous and that if he says something, he will back it up. And he is backing it up. And so we can trust the things God does and not just think, well, he's just saying that because he wants to say that. But we can believe that what he says, I can listen to that. What he does, I can trust and we can find a peace in that. But I also want us to leave... Uh, with a challenge today for us to be living our lives that way, that if we're going to say something, especially as believers in Christ, people want to see Jesus in us before they hear about Jesus. That's so huge. People want to see us live the life that we're claiming to live before they'll give us an opportunity to share with them about the life we get to live. And so um, if you'll just bear with me, it's a, we're going through the whole chapter this morning, and I'm going to try to respect your time. All right, so let's see, it's 1139 now. So I figure uh, 1 o'clock is not too bad, okay? So by then, maybe it'll be clear for lunch, so it won't be no rush, you know. Won't have to stand in the line. You'll be good to go, and I'm joking. So <laughs> I saw some looks. It's like, huh? Some of y'all are about to leave right now. It's okay. It's okay. But uh, if you would dive, uh, jump into First John chapter 3 with me this morning. We're just going to take a brief time just looking at who God is um, and just celebrating that, praising that, and then look at some action steps, things you and I can do right as soon as we leave here, uh, to live these truths out. So as we prepare to dive in here, let's, let's just do it. And, and I love this first verse that John starts off with. He says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. I don't know about you, but there's been times, especially here recently, um, I have a long train ride anywhere I want to go. It doesn't matter where I want to go. I have a long train ride to get to work, about 45 to 50 minutes to get to church, about the same time, just different trains at different times. And what I started doing is I'm, I'm Spotify. I'm a Spotify guy. And so I just find new CDs and I download them because, let's be honest, there's no service ever on a train. So I'm always thinking in my mind, if something goes wrong, how do I call for help? I, I can't make a call. I can't send a text. And I'm like, if I ever get trapped underground, I'm just, what do you do? You know? So anyway, that's a side story that everybody seems lost with listening to me. So I'm just going to move right on with that. But I listen, I download these albums and I start listening to them and uh, I try to, uh, be honest with you, music can really impact my attitude. Uh, maybe, maybe the same may be true of you, but I, I've got a new Hillsong album that just came out. There's a, a Crowder album that just came out. I've been listening to those, and those are different Christian artists. 
And I find myself, as I listen to these, just really encouraged, really lifted, just reminded of who God is. And it's so cool that at times, there'll just be random times a day, it'll just click. For whatever reason, it'll just click. Wow. God, you love me in ways I, I don't think I've ever even imagined or fathomed. Even though I've been told my whole life, read it my whole life, just having those random moments where I remember just how much God loves me is an absolute game changer. And I would challenge you just at some point, maybe especially just standing on the river, just looking at uh, the incredible view, finding a sunset around here, a sunrise around here even, or just in the little things, just being reminded God loves you so much. And I love the word John uses right here where it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. He has just poured out in abundance on our lives. So for me, that was just a great reminder right off the bat uh, that God loves us tremendously. And it goes on to say that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. As believers, we're going to stand out in the world um, because the world doesn't know God, so therefore they're not going to recognize us. But for those of us that have a relationship with Christ, we are children of God. We've been adopted into his family. We are heirs with Christ. That's big. That is big. Don't, don't miss that. Keep this whole thought of God's love in our mind because here in a minute we're going to explain where that really, really fits in in a big way. He goes on to say in verse 3, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Just as he is pure. When we think of this, this purity, we're thinking of God being virtuous, This whole concept of virtue is kind of an internal aspect to it and an external aspect. Internally, what are your motives, the attitudes, the thoughts? Externally, what are the actions? Because sometimes, here's the deal, those two go hand in hand. Because we can have the best intentions in the world, the greatest motives in the world to do good, to make a difference, to make change, or to help somebody. But if we never act upon those, what's actually happening? But sometimes we can have these, these great plans, and we're just doing these great things for others, we're helping, we're serving, we're loving, whatever the case may be, but our motives may be selfish. Our attitudes may be like, I'm being forced to do this. And though we're doing a good act, people can see through that into the attitude, and they're just going to question the act altogether. And so I would challenge you this morning to think of being virtuous, being pure is a twofold thing. Yes, it's, it's great to do good things for others, but what are the motives behind it? See, with God, something we can find confidence in is that internally, his motives are pure. His motives are driven by a pure and perfect and unconditional love for each of us. His motives are to help us, to encourage us, to shape us, to mold us into who he wants us to be. And we've got to remember, as you and I just got just this small snapshot of life, God has got the entire picture. He knows what we need to go through now to get to where he wants us to be later. Whereas you and I were like, what in the world's going on? Okay, please give me some answers because I don't know why I'm going through this right now. I don't know, God, why this is, why you're allowing this to happen in my life. Why am I going through this struggle? Why am I going through this difficulty? Why am I facing this obstacle? When those times are happening, God is virtuous. You can trust him. You can know that it may not be easy, that it may be hard, but God is in control, and I can trust that. I can trust that. And when we can realize that we can turn those things over to God because of who he is, we then begin to also trust the actions that we're going through and realize, man, God is doing this for a reason. So I'm going to trust him. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to run 
to him during this hard time. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to put my faith in him more because I know that this is happening for a reason. And God has pure motives and attitudes and thoughts about this action. And we see that in verse 3. So good where it just says, just simply, just as he is pure. But I also love that little first part. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. How many of y'all shower regularly? I'm scared because only like three hands went up and a lot of people laughed. It was like, oh, he caught me. (laughs) It was like yesterday. I showered. I work Friday at Chick-fil-A. So when you get home from a restaurant, you just kind of, you just feel dirty. So I took a shower uh, that night. So I was clean. So I woke up Saturday. I was like, well, I took a shower last night, so I don't need to take one today. And and so I went into, well, I took one Saturday night for the record. Okay. I did shower daily. But I didn't feel like I needed to take one that morning. And so I went out in town uh, because I needed to pick up a few things. And about, uh, you know, three-quarters of the ride in, I realized, oh, I forgot to put deodorant on. Okay. In my, in my rush and just, you know, use a, the routine shower, put deodorant on, get dressed, etc. You get in that routine and then that routine changed. And I, I got self-conscious on the, the subway train because they're not, none of them are cool. Even though they have AC, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm still sweating like I've just run a marathon. Uh, many times, and I've got a jacket backpack, so it just adds to the sweat. And so, I'm, anybody ever had to do this? You're like, maybe scratch your head, and you're like, you take a, you know, it's like I take a quick, like, am I clean? Do I smell? I feel like I'm the only one that does this, and it's just getting so weird in here right now. Uh, you know, I'm not getting any feedback here, so I'm going to take the smiles as you're, you do it. You just don't want to admit it. That's okay. No shame in that game, okay? But I just really got worried. It's like, okay, am I? Because you want to smell good. You don't want to be that person on the train that if there's a big circle around you, there's a reason, okay? And and I didn't want to be that. But in this, he's not talking about, hey, just make sure you shower, make sure you, you shave, you're clean cut, you got deodorant. He's saying spiritually, out of the love you have for Jesus. And knowing that as a child of God that you're in this journey, the, the biblical word is a big word is sanctification. And that word just simply means it's a process that God is taking each of us through to take us from where we were when we met Christ to where he wants us to be, which is like Christ. Okay, it's that journey. It comes through spiritual growth, different trials and tribulations that help us grow, good times, bad times. It's that journey. But there's also steps that you and I need to be taking, which is pursuing Christ in a spiritual manner, spending time in the Scriptures, developing a prayer life, meeting together with other believers for encouragement, for the teaching of his word. All those things go into play for us to also be purified because as we love Christ, we want to be more like him. And so we're taking the steps we need to take as well. But the reality is there are obstacles to that. Each one of us fights the same battle. It may look different, but it's the same battle. It's that battle of sin. Because even though we've got a relationship with Christ, we're still going to be facing temptation. There's still going to be moments where we, we sin. We make mistakes. We mess up. You can see it all throughout the, the scriptures. Even back to King David, out in the Old Testament, just a, a man that later on in Scripture, he is described as a man after God's own heart. Just an incredibly godly man. But yet, in his life as king, he had an adulterous relationship. She ended up being pregnant. And to, to try to cover that up, King David ordered her husband to be on the front line of a very aggressive battle, knowing he would be killed that way. So you see, even the most godly people are going to sin. You and I, we're going to sin. It's going to happen. But I want to read some some verses here, going on verses 4 through 6. It says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know 
that he appeared, speaking of Jesus, right? you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. I want to give some clarity there because the reality is you and I, we're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. But right now what this passage is saying, what John is saying is that, look, if you're a believer in Christ, sin is not going to become a, a habit of yours. It's not going to be a, a, an intentional thing that you deliberately do. You're going to have this battle with sin. There's no doubt about it because in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. We're in a battle, guys. It's a spiritual battle. We've got our fleshly desires fighting against our spiritual desires. All right? The Holy Spirit and our flesh are at war with one another. And there's an old uh, story, and I don't know who the origin is or who the uh, original author is, but he talks that uh, inside each of us, there's, a, there's two wolves. One's a good wolf, one's a bad wolf, and maybe you've heard this before. And the guy's asking, well, which, one's, you know, which one are you? And he says, well, whichever one I feed the most. The same is true about us spiritually. If we feed the Spirit by getting into the Scripture, spending time in prayer, that's going to be the one that's going to win the battle. But if we feed our flesh side by ignoring God, staying away from God, doing things that we know He doesn't want us to do, intentionally sinning, that's the way we're going to go. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with this. Feed the Spirit, starve the flesh. Feed the Spirit, starve the flesh. Because the reality is sin is a battle, and, and, and sin is going to interrupt us. We're pursuing purity. Sin is going to be a hindrance. It can hold us back. Right? It can just really, really hold us back. At first, just a little, because sin is just rebellion. Right? The word sin actually means miss the mark. Uh, in older days, when there were archery tournaments, somebody would shoot the bow and arrow. If they miss a target, they'd say sin because they missed the mark. We're missing God's mark is what sin is. And as we sin, it, it brings in like a, a contamination, so to speak, in our purity. If you've got some water, you know, hopefully, I don't know about you, i got a little Brita filter at home I use. All right, just clear that up, make sure there's nothing in the water. I don't know if I'm just paranoid or that was cheaper than bottled water, so I got one of those, and I use that. But sometimes uh, you get some water from a restaurant or something, maybe see some dirt on the glass or maybe some little stuff in the water, and you're like, whoo, <laughs> Okay, sometimes if it's just something small, with, you'll know, see anybody looking, we'll take our spoon and kind of clean it out, act like nobody sees it, and we're okay. And right, you can clean that out pretty good. It's pretty simple. But if we keep going in that sin, it, don't go, it doesn't just contaminate. It begins to actually dilute our purity as well as we keep doing it. It's going to weaken us. It's going to change who we are. So we've got to fight that battle. We can't just do that. We've got to be free from the practice of lawlessness. We've got to be free from the practice of sinning and unjustness. Uh, and when we do sin, we're just going to seek forgiveness and move forward in our lives. And so as we see this journey, God is pure. He's called us to be pure. We're to live our lives out in the way that we make these claims. What we say we're going to live. I want to jump down to verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for ours, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. For me, that really hit me hard. Being up here in the city, back in Cartersville, Georgia, which is where I'm from in Georgia, 
Okay, just a small city, about 100,000 people. There's not a lot of homelessness. There's not a lot of people asking for money, except for the, the families that are on travel baseball teams and they can't afford it, so they're at the Walmart asking for money. But up here, I got up here, and on the trains, the first time the mariachi band come out, I was excited, okay, the first time. <laughs> the last three times, I'm like, can you not pick another train? Okay, I'm trying to rest over here. But the first time, I was like, oh, this is new. <laughs> this is new. Got the mariachi band. That's exciting. But, you know, you got these different guys. Though. I've, I've experienced different people on the trains, just on the streets walking. It's been overwhelming at times. I was like, truly there's something I can do. And then we just get overwhelmed with the sheer bigness of it, so to speak, or at least I do. Because if I was to give money to every one of the, the individuals I see, I'm going to be one of them. Okay? I'm going to be joining your ranks because okay? there's so, so many. And I think many times uh, we'll see these needs, but it's just like a billboard. If it's not changed about every 30 to 40 days, we don't even see it any longer. That's why marketing, they change them so frequently because when it's new, we notice it again. I think even in two months, I've noticed from you know really looking at the individuals on the sidewalk, just really feeling broken, it's like surely there's something I can do, to now I'm like, Okay, why are you so stretched out? I ha- I can't I can't get around you easily. You know, it's almost just that quick changed in me. But this scripture and studying this passage, it really uh, God used it to really just grab a hold of my heart, where it just says, "Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth." You see, God said He loves us. God said He loves. You. He says, "I love you. I love you." But He didn't stop there. He said, I loved you so much, I'm going to do something about it. Because in the beginning, when sin was in, introduced into the world, when Adam disobeyed, it brought sin. It brought division between God and man. And God's like, I'm, I'm not okay with this. I love my creation too much for this to be okay. And so he said all throughout Scripture, all throughout Old Testament, before Christ came back, I love you, I love you, I love you. Now let me show you just how much I love you. Here's my son, my one and only son. He's going to give his life so that our relationship can be restored. God is virtuous. He didn't just say, I love you, said, have fun, and walk off. He said, I love you, and I want to show you just how much I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want it to be restored. I want our fellowship and our relationship to be restored. So here's my son, Jesus. He's going to come on. He's going to become one of you so that he can have a greater understanding of the, the struggles that you and I go through. He's going to be tempted in every way we are, but he won't sin so that he can be the perfect sacrifice once and for all for mankind. Because the reality is there's a debt for our sin. There's a consequence for our sin. And if it wasn't for the sacrifice of Christ, you and I would be the one to have to pay it, and we couldn't. So Christ died to pay that debt once and for all so that you and I could have an opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. But the thing is, just because Christ died doesn't make it an automatic it's still up to you and I to choose to surrender our lives to Christ, to make him the Lord and Savior of our lives. So God showed just how much he loved us through his actions. And if you go back through Scripture and see the different things that God has done throughout history, you will begin to see that his motives are driven by a love for us. It's not a self-interest. It's not a like, ha look at me, I'm God. It's like, I love you so much, and I know this is hard. I know this is hard, but trust me. It's the best thing for you right now. God is virtuous, and he's called those of us that have a relationship with him. Hey, you pursue virtue with your life as well. Don't just tell the world you love them and that God loves them. Show them. Do for them. 
But I want to be clear that the doing is not what brings salvation. Faith is what brings salvation. The doing part, the deeds, those are the fruit of our salvation. And so I want to challenge you with just three simple things, or four actually, and one will close and then we'll, we'll close. We may be wondering, well, how in the world do I do this? How in the world can I do this? In verse 24, it says, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We can't do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit working within us that does this, folks, okay? We can try and try and try, but we're going to collapse. We're going to be wore out. We're not going to be able to accomplish anything near what if we'll just let go and trust the Holy Spirit, rely on the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit of God work in and through us. It will be a game changer in our lives. So I want to give you three just quick action steps for us to do. When it comes to us pursuing purity, there's the, the internal side that we need to pursue purity spiritually. Spending time in Scripture, prayer with other believers, that's key. It's intentional steps we need to be taken to grow. But we can also take a few steps to be ready to put those into action. And, and it's just three simple things, two words each. The first is be ready. Be ready. I think back to the story of the, the Good Samaritan. Uh, you know, you got the man... Is going down the, the road, got beat up pretty bad, left on the side of the road for dead. Several people passed by. Three people told her the first, no, nope, I'm good, just kept on walking, saying it, nope, I'm walking. The third one came up and said, I'll help you. And he was able to bandage his wounds right there. You see, he was already prepared. He didn't know what he was prepared for, maybe, but he was prepared. And so here's the thing, you and I, we can be intentional on a day-to-day basis. We can be prepared. We can be prepared. Maybe we just start carrying around some granola bars in our bag or our pocket, and we run to someone on the side of the road or the sidewalk and they're hungry. We can hand them a granola bar. It may sound simple. It may sound just like, well, that's kind of dumb. They may not have had anything else to eat, and it's at least a step in the right direction to try to help. So maybe we carry that around. Or maybe you, you got a big office space you work at. Maybe you start carrying around some Post-it notes, write a little word of encouragement on them, just hide it in their notes somewhere just to surprise them at some point. You know, make sure they say nice things, of course. But, uh, you know, just you know, take some intentional steps to be ready each and every day. So if a situation arises, you're good to go. It's not one of those things where you're having to, okay, I could do something right now, but I don't know what to do. If we're prepared in advance, it's a lot easier to actually keep doing something. So be ready for that. Also, and this is key, show compassion. Show compassion. That that whole word compassion means we see a need, and it drives us to this desire to do something about it. It really breaks our hearts. It opens our minds like there's a need that I really want to do something about. So be ready, show compassion, and then just simply do something. Be ready, show compassion, and do something. I'm not saying do some gigantic, huge, over-the-top. It can just be the simplest gesture that can have the most profound and huge impact on somebody's life. Because the coolest thing is sometimes when we do something nice, they're like, why would you do that for me? Let me tell you about Jesus and what he did for me. That's what's led me to do this for you. We can make a difference, guys. Just imagine if every one of us just this week did some simple act to one person in this city. Because the reality is, you and I, we can't impact 8.5 all in a week, 8.5 million in a week. We see that number like, oh, that's a big number. You go through Times Square and like, I think there's more than 8.5 million here because uh, there's people everywhere. But David Platt once said, and he's over the International Mission Board, and he was talking about how there's billions of people that still don't know Jesus in the world. And sometimes you hear that number, billions, and like, there ain't nothing I can do about that. I may not be able to reach a billion. You may not be able to reach a billion, but I can reach one. You can reach one. And let's try to keep that mindset this week. As we're just going through this week, let's just look for intentional ways that we can show virtue, that we can grow in virtue and purity as we're on this journey pursuing that. 
And to close, I want to I want to close with this. We're going to go back a little bit. And this was a little intentional. Picking up in verse nineteen. Uh, so this then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, hear this part: for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes in our past that we still carry regret for. Maybe we still carry shame for, guilt for. And we allow those past incidents to hold us back from doing anything right now. We think because of those moments, because of those sins, there's no, I'm not worthy to do anything right now. Our hearts will absolutely deceive us in this area. I remember when I was in, in high school, I made a, a decision. And it was the wrong decision, and I knew it going in. I absolutely knew it going in, uh, but I still just let the flesh take control and just selfish wants and desires to take control, and I made a bad decision. And I carried that decision with me for years. Uh, because the reality is it's so easy for us, I think, at least for me, it's so easy for me to realize, you know what, God's forgiven me, okay. But I still haven't forgiven me yet. I'm still beating myself up. And in that process, what I'm doing is hindering what God wants to do in and through me now. Because I'm holding on to something that happened maybe months ago, years ago, that I can't change. All I can do is grow from it, learn from it, and move on from it. And that passage says that God is greater than our hearts. There's no use for us to continue carrying shame and guilt with us. Once we've gone through a, a moment of sin, once we've sought forgiveness with God, with maybe others we've impacted in a way, and we've fixed that situation, we've grown from it, we've learned from it, it's time to take the next step forward. Let's stop living in that shame. Let's be reminded that God's love for us is so great that it is greater than the emotions, the fears, or the, the guilt or shame we feel. Once God has forgiven you, forgive yourself as well. And let's take that step forward, one step at a time, to pursue purity, to pursue virtue. Let's go out and try to make a difference in the world just one day at a time, one person at a time. So let me encourage you, be ready this week. As you leave here, maybe even be brainstorming at lunch. What's some ways I can be ready? Because you know what your commute is each day. You know who you may encounter each day. You know what your trained specialty is in the you know the, the many talents of this city. And you can be creative. Like, how can I reach the, the pole dancing guys, okay? How can I reach the the uh, mariachi band, okay? How can I reach just the, the gentleman or the lady just walking through asking for me? What are simple things maybe I can do? And if you don't ride the trains, you're like, you're missing out. That's all I'm saying, okay? If you don't ride the trains, you're missing out in some incredible ways. And, and then so be ready. And then just be asking God, hey, God, you know what? Help my heart. Help me to see those needs more clearly. Help break my heart to see the need and to, to want to do something and not just ignore it. And God giving me the opportunity to do something.